Hello folks, Tyler here. We're looking to do a big surge on iTunes. We really want to push the old iTunes, you know, get us up the charts a bit, because I know you lot are lovely and supporting all over. Um, so if you fancy it, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review and a couple of lovely words as well, just to, uh, you know, help us up a bit more and get that extra bit of support. Thank you very much. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello, welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. We look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm, of course, your host, Tyler Gray. Joining with me today is a, well, he's a streaming extraordinaire. I mean, you can catch him all over Twitch and playing all sorts of myriad of um, spooky or action packed. Or spooky and action-packed games there. Um, you know, Lance Archer screams, everybody dies in AEW, but truly, you know, Dan must die. So here he is. Uh, please welcome Dan must die himself. Uh, Dan, it's good to have you on here, finally. It's great to be on here. I've, um, I mean, as you know, I've been sort of a long-time listener, so being on here is, uh, oh, well, I guess, um, something I'm really happy about. You're too kind. He's, he's, he's trying to sweeten me up for the old um, part two. <laughs> <laughs> and with part two as well, folks, um, we'll let the let the cat out of the bag here. Um, this is not the first time we've initially recorded this episode here. <laughs> See, I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna comment. I, but I did want to sort of uh, mention somewhere that this sort of feels like a little deja vu. Oh no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> don't worry, folks. It won't be completely the same there. You know, we're gonna try and give you a rebel's uh, bag of opinions and thoughts there. Um, compared to the first dry run. And with this uh, second dry run, if you want to call it, uh, we will be reviewing Worst Episode Ever from Season 12, Episode 11, directed by Matthew Nastuk, written by Larry Doyle, with the original air date being February the 4th, 2001, and the couch gag being the squeaky voice teen brings in the couch, the family will sit down, and they don't tip him for it. Um, I mean, as well as asking, you know, initial th- uh, thoughts or your nostalgic memories of this one, tell me everything Simpsons history of it, what it means to you, favourite character gag meme, please have at it, Dan. I can't remember a point in my life where I wasn't watching The Simpsons. I remember getting like a Simpsons VHS tape, I think it was of like a couple of season one episodes, it had um, Life in the Fast Lane and the the Telltale Head, you know the one where Bart oh, cuts the head yes. off of uh, the Jebediah Springfield, or should we say Hans Sprungfeld um, statue, Um yeah, and ever since then, like I've just always, I've always watched it throughout my life. Like when it was on uh, BBC Two at six o'clock, I believe, and Channel Four, Sky One, yeah, you name it. Oh, so you've been all over the place as far as like you know where it's broadcasted here in the British Isles. Oh, I'm loyal to no channel just as long as it shows The Simpsons. And how we kick off this one is it seems to be a you know, regular day in the Simpsons household. There, they're busy enjoying their breakfast there. And um, I just got this, um, you know, brand new sort of pancake syrup mix, and it's busy making fart noises. But oh dear, that's far too embarrassing, Dan. Um, I'm going to put on the silencer. <laughs> a nice little surreal opener there, and obviously we end up getting um, Lisa going for a bit of syrup in the kitchen or in the fridge, and uh, she finds a mouldy old um, box of baking soda by doing so, and straight away. Like Bart's just challenging Homer. Oh, I bet you can't eat this, homeboy. 
Oh, why don't we put money on it? <laughs> oh. Like, it's not even... He's got so much to lose, because Bart is initially <laughs> five, and then, um, what is it, about 50? Homer yeah, puts yeah, down yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. He, he, he goes, what is it? He says, um, bet you five bucks, you can't eat this, and Homer goes, make it 50. Like, he, he must have known somewhere that a 10-year-old boy is not going to have $50. There's no <laughs> winning this for him. It, it, it's classic Simpsons, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's very classic Homer. But what the um, part that gets me is when Homer starts to eat it, Lisa goes, goes I'll call poison control. And it's, it's how... Lisa knows the um, operator from Poison Control's like first name. Like, how often must this have hap- Like, must this happen? Oh yeah, it's always good to you know, have, especially have your doctor's name on first name basis. But I don't know. <laughs> about, I don't know about the Poison Control. Oh, oh god, yeah. Um, it, this um, I know this is kind of kind of uh, late in the uh, Simpsons seasons one to twelve, but even this just screams like classic Simpsons. Like, the, this whole opening scene. Oh, right, okay. Now, as far as, um, I don't know, sort of patterns change throughout these seasons and that, what was very common, you know, a lot later, especially with our tail end review here, um, is the, you know, inciting instant to the inciting instant where, you know, the first three or so minutes, it's got nothing to do with the main plot, but, you know, there's that thread and then the story can properly uh, kick on. Now, are you um, fussy with that? Have you got an issue with... You know, that common pattern that happened in, say, seasons 11 and 12? Or are you see, not that fussed? See, no, I, I don't mind that. I mean, um, if, if you look at a, lo- a lot of uh, modern anime... Well, not that Simpsons isn't modern, but I, I suppose more modern animated shows like Family Guy, American Dad, they often do a lot of the same, a lot of the same kind of thing. They'll have, like, the first couple of three... couple two or three minutes um, completely irrelevant to the plot, like, filled with a couple of good jokes to kind of get you laughing early, and then it'll start with the um i guess the story of the episode which i i don't really mind that it's um i guess it's sort of in the uh the later ep- uh, seasons of the simpsons where it kind of tried to go sort of family guy and tried to shock us a little bit or tried to um i i, I guess didn't the simpsons didn't really stay in its own kind of lane you know like um and I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but um, I think it's in season 29 or 30 or something. There's um, like Krusty makes a bit of a double entendre in regards to like a, a drug reference or something. And then he just flat out yells at the screen, drug reference. And that's the kind of thing I'm not a fan of. Like it made me laugh, but it's not very Simpsons. Whereas, um, you know, the, th- the three minute kind of what I mean, intro, whatever it is, and then cutting into the plot, that, that's fine with me. Like, right. that's it, it's filled to the brim with like um, classic Simpsons jokes, I guess. Well, with Homer eating this bacon soda, he's getting, you know, a thousand flavors come back through all the decades, and we get some really, you know, hyperdelic um, trippy <laughs> goes on um, with meatballs, all sorts, pies, and we get like really serious um sort of historical quotes um i know there's the oj acquit the glove doesn't fit oh, yeah. must acquit a bit oh, of yeah. nixon in there as well um now we get to all these lovely vigils but what's actually happening to homer oh the guy is um what, what what's it described as like an antacid trip an antacid trip <laughs> i mean how that 
happens from from baking soda i don't know and frankly i don't want to know um so bart wins his money and it's a lovely little touch dan if you saw um he just swipes the note from under homer's head and it's a little bonk off the uh, yeah. dinner table i think they do quite well with the sound design in this episode don't they yes uh there's some real uh doozies especially with um comic book guy and agnes that i'm definitely gonna point out a little bit later but now bart has 50 dollars and he's going to get in on his buddy. He's going to have Millhouse come along with the joint. And they're going to go on a little shopping spree. So they end up starting with, of course, the Quickie Mart. And, um, you know, like big bulls going into, um, you know, your Harrods and that. Oh, gentlemen, it's a 50. Let us shop. Locked up. And um, <laughs> they're away with the business. Now, um, uh, I know you're some sort of, Well, <laughs> if you're part of a... Uh, please follow Dan on Twitch. You know, Dan must die. And get involved in the Discord. And... Within the Discord, um, he's brought apart a tinny culture, shall we, shall we say. Uh, Dan, please explain. Oh, so um, so a little bit of a profession. I wasn't the one to sort of come up with this. This is um, sort of, it, it started, I think it started as a joke between a couple of other Twitch okay. streamers who I've sort of become friends with. And, um, and yeah, it, so um, it's basically um, testing sort of, different uh different monsters always the sugar-free one um or other energy drinks red bull is not one of them don't ask me why we just don't accept red bull it's because none of us oh. like it i think um yeah a bit of red bull discrimination there for you but the um so yeah we we're always talking about like different energy drinks and i figured you know what i've got a discord no one else has done it why not make a little section for it and um also the uh so the tinny of tinnies is the uh, the white monster ultra. If you haven't tried that, that is banging. Zero sugar as well, so it's not all ah, that bad for you. I know I'm going on a food shop um, come this weekend, come Saturday, and that. So um, it's sugar free. I should aim for then. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think otherwise, I'm just bouncing off the walls too much. Like I can't <laughs> handle it. But or um, we or. Uh, with the sugar ones, sometimes with the sugar-free ones, you can get what's known as, uh, or what we call the tinny anxiety. It's where you've had oh, no. uh, an energy drink, too much caffeine, and you are on edge for the rest of the day. It's not pleasant. So uh, I've actually had, I've actually cut back a little bit. Ah, good stuff. Now, as far as you know, chocolate and confectionery, Barton Mills, Mill House, you know, aren't adverse. You know, uh, you know, Rice Krispies inside. You know, being able to chew or crunch and that. But um, Dan, are you? Uh, chocolate or a you know snack bar fan there um please walk us through some of your do's and don'ts your likes and dislikes oh so okay so i've got some uh some strict rules for my chocolate so yeah i prefer chocolate over sort of like you know your haribo your normal kind of sweets and whatever ah, good stuff. um not say i don't like them they're fine you know i'm just always going to choose chocolate i don't like i don't like my chocolate to have innards so no okay so um that that rules out bounty i don't like coconut i'm not a fan of like you know uh the dairy dairy milk caramel bars like if i'm going for chocolate i want solid chocolate like your twirls your flakes Ooh. your galaxy what about turkish delight because i seem to be the only sort of quote freak that likes turkish delight i honestly don't even know what that is it just you looks don't like kind of oh uh, no i've no idea it just looks like a kind of purple jelly to me well it seems to be a favorite with my gran and literally anyone over 60 but um it's rose flavored is technically the flavor and it's uh ah. well it's kind of a yeah like a jelly um gooey I've sort of rose jam right um i guess it'd be similar to that only in a 
put it inside some chocolate in that case. So if you can imagine that. So it is in chocolate? Yes, it is in the chocolate. I... Fries Turkish Delight, folks. Oh, God, I've never... I don't think I've ever actually properly seen it. Like I say, I barely even know what it is. What is your all-time favourite bar or favourite chocolate? Uh, oh, now you're asking me. This this changes day to day. Oh, God, I can't do it. No, I can. I have to. I'm... I didn't realise it was going to be Sophie's choice. Oh, oh, do you know what? This pains me. It's, it's, it's like, which one of your kids do you love more? That's it. <laughs> I mean, you can't outwardly say it's one of them, but, you know, deep down, you know there's one of them that you like more than the other. Uh, at the moment, I've got to go with a twirl. Ooh, I, know, I, see. I know it might be a bit of a controversial The choice, taste of but... a flake and the convenience as well. Exactly. No mess. Exactly. I saw on Twitter today, someone called it the grown-ups flake, a business flake. And, do you know what, I like that. That's bang on the money. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you? What would you... What would you go for? Ooh, um, I feel all-time favourite now as an adult is, um, you know, like citrus, like lemon and orange. So I'd probably say Terry's chocolate orange. Ooh. Yes. Especially yeah. if you can get it in bar form as well. You're laughing. You can get it in bar form? Yeah. It's uh, about six or seven segments that are not glued together, but formed together and they're a little snackable bar. Do you know what? I... Um... When I, when I was a kid, like, I always hated, like, citrusy stuff. But now, as an adult, my tastes have kind of changed. So I feel like um, a Terry's Chocolate Orange is another one I kind of need to, like, retry just to see if I like it now. Oh, absolutely. So recommend. It's not just for Christmas, folks. You know, like a dog. Terry's Chocolate Orange is not just for Christmas as well. It's for life. It's for, it's for life, absolutely. Millhouse wants to get in on this, you know, spending the money action there. So, um, ah, oh, bless him. Very in character, very lame, um... <laughs> then they're just in the skin in their skinnies as well, just um, washing their clothes in um, oh, is it softener or um, detergent? I think it's detergent. That's it, you know. Oh, but mom's never gonna know, and he's just a <laughs> dumb little laugh there. His butt just looks on embarrassed. He's Millhouse is so proud of himself there mm. as well, isn't he? <laughs> they're about to cap it off with a trip to the androids dungeon there they're looking at getting radioactive man number 1000 there convert guys getting all the tips and tricks and you know oh you know if you pop some liquid on here it just bounces off onto you know inferior comics and nice little nod bongo comics making the simpsons comics irl folks if you didn't know see what i like about that that specific part is um you, you see a comic with bongo the rabbit on it and um like that is a re- I mean you probably know this but this is a reference to um, Matt Groening's comic strip in the early days um, Life in Hell and as you say Bongo being the comic publishing company that uh, published The Simpsons and Futurama comics and then um, I mean just to show how that I guess they use Bongo quite a lot in a later episode it's revealed that Homer has a had a childhood dog called Bongo as well I mean, I can't remember the episode, but I think it's like season 20 onwards. Oh, so they even keep it into the 2010s then? Yeah, it's not yeah, just yeah. Early. They, oh, wow. They definitely did use that again. I, re- I remember that, but I couldn't tell you the episode because I, I don't really watch those ones uh, all that often. Like, if it, if it comes up on uh, if it com- comes up on Shuffle or something, if it's on, then I'll watch it. But um, I'm not going to actively choose one of the later ones but unfortunately the comic book is the bit out of their price range of 25 dollars oh they could have had it you know if they didn't pay lunch for that homeless guy <laughs> <laughs> i keep forgetting that line in this episode all the time and they just look so dejected as well it's just really twisted 
it, it's it's one of those things that they just that just immediately gets glossed over. They don't like explain it or anything. They just, it's just oh, I knew we shouldn't have bought a lunch for that homeless guy. <laughs> but as they're busy lamenting, we have Martin's mum come in and nice bit of continuity as well. You know, oh, what's my son's at fat camp? I thought it's so it's stuff. And um, I mean, there's some real goodies in here. Proper memorabilia. While my son's at fat camp, I cleaned out his room. How much will you give me for this? Probably nothing, but let us see. Who? Handwritten script for Star Wars by George Lucas. Princess Leia's anti-jiggle breast tape. Film reel labeled alternate ending. Luke's father is Chewbacca. Oh, oh. I'll give you $5 for the box. I can't imagine, and I don't really want to get into the Star Wars fandom in itself though, but I can definitely see, you know, comp guy um, you know, leching after um, all these goodies. And he does, he calls them worthless and that, but um, Martin's mum's about to be swindled. But the boys, as you should do, folks, don't fucking back the gatekeepers and whatever fandom or culture in, say, no lady, you know, he's going to rip you off. And then, oh, straight away, I'm putting these back in the leaky basement there. Now, um, <laughs> are you a lapsed Star Wars fan? Uh, what, I mean, what, what can you tell me about... I mean, you're a streamer yourself. You're a bigger Devil May Cry fan. That is uh, your namesake, if you will. Uh, what can you tell me about, you know, the worst fandoms or, you know, bad bits of your own fandom? Ooh, so, um, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive Star Wars fan. Uh, Ooh, there's good. a... We do see a lot of a lot of gatekeeping, a lot of toxicity. Like, um, like I'm, I'm someone who... As much as, as much as I love Star Wars, I am probably one of the f- probably one of the first to criticize it quite harshly. Naturally, this being because I love something so much, I want to hold it to a high standard, you know. So if I if I'm not just gonna like I I didn't like the sequels so much. Fine, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but I'm not the kind of person to sort of blindly hate them. And you get a lot of these. Well, if you liked a lot, if you liked the Last Jedi, if you liked Rise of Star. Uh, Skywalker, you're not a real Star Wars fan, which I think is just stupid. Like, I'm not a fan of the whole gatekeepy thing. Um, but more specifically, my own fandom, uh, Devil May Cry. I, for the most part, it's it's pretty sound. But you do okay. get some you do get some people who um, again gatekeepy. If you haven't played all of them, you're not a real fan. Like some people started on the more modern ones, or they they liked the reboot, which is it, fine. Like you like what you like. At the end of the day, I'm not here to to say to say to anyone that they shouldn't like something. Like if I, I might disagree with them and they might disagree with me, that's fine. Like we can have a good discussion about that. But I think it's completely wrong to just compl- shut someone down because they like something a little different to you. I guess I'll ask very quickly. Um, which film would you say has had the biggest negative? response or biggest uh polarizing uh opinions would you say it's like you know your episode one or your um rise of skywalker or what we said so i get i um i wasn't really old enough when the phantom menace came out to kind of understand how how other people hated it or whatever i just saw when i was a kid i just saw you know like a space opera glowy lightsabers people fighting with them i thought it was cool I think, but from what I've seen in more recent years, the most polarizing film appears to be The Last Jedi, because even when you even have um, like one one half of the fandom like completely like loving it, the other half hating it, both good reasons provided on each. Um, 
even with some of the cast members weighing in on it, um, saying how this doesn't feel like their Star Wars, you know? Mm. Like, um, I, I'm sure some might have been taken out of context, but you've even got like Mark Hamill saying, this doesn't feel like Luke Skywalker. This feels like oh, you know, really? Jake Skywalker. It's, yeah, it's a, I think it's very, it's a, it's a very polarizing film. And I think it's, I think it's one of those, like, love it or hate it, it seems a silly idea to give the middle film of a trilogy to a different director because you're just kind of asking for inconsistencies. Ah, right. I'm not a fan of the film, but, you know, who am I to tell someone else not to like it? With um, the boys, you know, act of kindness, if you will, um, Comp guys, not a fan of this. He even says, you know, cheat, right, smile, boys, gets a little Polaroid of them and sticks them on, you know, the band club, forever band wall there and... Now, Bart and Milhouse can't believe it. Bart's back home, and he needs to think of a way to get back in. Um, I'll just mention it briefly, but there's a long bit that, you know, I, we've never heard of Galgo over here in the UK. Very brief. He was popular in the 70s and early 80s, and then because people got tired of his, um, you know, prop comic shtick, um, he just started doing misogynist jokes, and he still does that now in Las Vegas, and it's a living folks but that's about it Dan. if we can go back like a little bit there's something i want to know you know when it shows us the um the band for life wall yes i would like to know what got sideshow bob banned for life and also who's the other guy like he kind of looks like matt Groening a little bit i don't think it is but i've got a feeling it a... might be a lucas if not a grain because they're both beardy they, men they are both gray-haired beardy men with um kind of gray beards as well but I, I kind of had a little bit of a theory as to um, as to why it might have been Sideshow Bob. So maybe it was the maybe it was the, through the episode where he became mayor, or the what was it Sideshow Bob's last gleaming where he tries to blot the town, but end up having part ah, yes. of a nuke. Yes, and um, this is comic book guy's way of going take that Sideshow Bob <laughs> in his kind of you know his snide way. In, a, in the most minor way possible for almost imminent death. I, I can totally see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it just it seems like the kind of thing he'd do. Be like, yeah, that'll show him. I think if I'm making my own little canon from what you've um, put forward, I would say it's um, Bob has gone in and really moaned and given it a big go about, oh, you don't have any Gilbert and Sullivan in here or Rogers and Hammerstein, any sort of classic opera or theatre and that. And then he's been on his way, and combat guys just give him that little ban there. Oh, I, you know what? I like that. I think that's very possible. Because you couldn't even really imagine Sideshow Bob setting foot inside the Android's dungeon, could you? Oh, no, absolutely not. Not unless he got lost. But we're moving on to now um, Bart's and Homo's. Come up with a little device there, a little plan to get in. And, um, yeah, like you've said, um, this is your absolute favourite bit in this episode, um, Dan. Um, yeah. Now, is is what's particular about it um, really sets you off from the start? Is it Homer saying, "Oh no, for once I'm tall," you know, because he has to go on top? <laughs> it, is it the "Hello, Mr. Burns" voice, or is it the betrayal at the end? Mr. Simpson, it hurts. Yeah, and why did we have to do this all the way from home? For once in my life, I'm tall. Don't take that away from me. Hello. I'm Shaquille O'Neal. Let us in, please. <laughs> you two are not welcome. Very good. Thanks for the tip-off. No problem. 
first of all, it's right in there with um, the fact the fact that um, Homer is on the shoulders of two ten-year-olds, not just one, two. And, <laughs> yeah. and what is it? Millhouse at the bottom, somehow strong enough to carry yeah. both Bart <laughs> yeah. and Homer. Homer, what was what it? It weighs two hundred and thirty-nine pounds. If um, mm. King is, is King size Homer, where he weighs himself, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes, that's the one. So yeah, start starts with that. That's that's ridiculous enough in and of itself. But it, but where he, um, I think it's Bart says, "Did you have to make us do this all the way from home?" <laughs> <laughs> and, where, and then Homer chimes in, "But for once in my life, I'm tall." They approach comic book guy. I mean, as I sort of explained earlier, and. Homer puts on the the hello. My name is Mr. Burns. You know that that voice, like his his kind of snooty, important voice. I don't know why he does it. Like, and and he gives the name Shaquille O'Neal as if comic book guy doesn't know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> second most famous basketballer. What in two thousand one behind Kobe at the time? Oh, unbelievable! Yeah. Yeah. But then, um, obviously, the disguise falls through. Comic book guy realizes um, Homer was on their shoulders, and then as Homer goes in, he, the comic book guy says, "Thanks for the tip." Hands him some money, and Homer just walks in. <laughs> he sold out his his own son for a quick buck. Not surprising, he sold out Millhouse because you know that little wiener Millhouse. <laughs> he never did like him, but oh no, it's yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's in character, and I mean, who would want to miss um, our guest star in this episode? Tom Savini, and he puts on a right little show there. Um, the whole chest explode apart as well, guts everywhere. Gives him a nice little talk and a real show as well. Um, are you were you aware of Tom Savini before the episode, and have you been able to watch uh, you know any sort any of his work that was featured in you know Creep Show, Friday the Thirteenth, um, any good horrors like that? So I have seen I have seen some of his work, but um, I wasn't. I'm not really familiar with him, if that makes sense. So, like, I've I've seen Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, um, Friday Thirteenth, um, but yeah, I'm not really familiar with him. Uh, well, I know he did. Um, you know, he's been working since the sixties, pretty much doing amateur stuff, and he's now got his own little um, course. He's got his own studios and his own uh, students as well, and. Um, for wrestling fans here, you know, got a nice little bit of crossover with Wrestling and Simpsons as this podcast. Um, he made, he helped design a mask for this um, villainous wrestler called uh, The Fiend there. And it's really demonic and big jagged teeth and such. And um, I'll just explain or I'll just tell my favourite um, little bit of his um, a bit of his work there. I believe it's Friday the 13th. A young Kevin Bacon's about to kip on a bud bunk bed there and then he just gets an arrowhead right through his throat and he want uh savini always wants his actors to act and move around whilst you know he does his magic and his um you know his effects as well so he's just having kevin move his head whilst you know he's piercing the you know the thread of the bit of rubber there and the blood squirting out there it's brilliant and it's a lot of his stuff holds up today as well is that is that friday the 13th one that is the very first one yes john i've think i need to go and give that one a rewatch because it's been such a long time and i think if, if that's like sort of peak savini then um i guess after watching this episode and if after talking about him i kind of owe it to myself to kind of go back and take a look i mean he must get an absolute kick out of every project he's won but i tell you 
who's not getting an absolute kick out of it. Um, comp guy, of course this isn't impressing him, of course he's wanting to critique absolutely every single moment, and he's pretty sure he's seen the gut buster, you know, pull in, do that, you know, back in the day, and he's not eating a cracker. He thinks he's eating a cracker, but it's just a blood pack, and this is where you start to see, you know, comp guy, I'd say rightly get humiliated from how we've seen in many episodes before. Yeah, he definitely deserves it here, doesn't he? Because he, um, yeah, we find out it's a blood pack. Um, blood starts, or fake blood starts gushing out of his mouth. Um, still unimpressed. He then Tom Savini just does a does the thing with the hand and um, and wedges him in front of the entire audience, like thus humiliating comic book guy more. Yeah, he's got a little Adam's family hand there, a little robotic um, yeah, thing going is on. It? Thing. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always a bit a bit of a catharsis to see the. Um, I mean, I think comic book guy kind of he might not be your typical bully, but he's a bit of a bully. But to see the bully get a bit of a comeuppance, yeah, it's always a bit of a catharsis, isn't it? Yeah, and with this catharsis though, he's saying, "No, I should be laughing at you. Don't laugh at me." And he gets so stressed that he ends up having a heart attack in a very dramatic um, '60s Star Trek fashion. You know, can't breathe can't talk in monologue anymore and he collapses and that's yep. how we go to break a man's had a heart attack yeah i mean it's what well, it's kind of beggar's belief here that no one no one in that audience thought to call an ambulance i'm wondering if it, it was sort of like the bystander effect you know something we don't Ooh, see yeah. but um or if it's just you know the residents of springfield just being dicks because most of them are in their own kind of special kind of way aren't they oh yeah like the mob mentality rules in springfield that's one of the little sort of hidden jokes i always like seeing throughout episodes um i think my favorite example of that is um i think it was one eye on springfield a little bit at the start of an episode and skinner's tied up like um uh, joan of arc getting ready oh. to get burnt he's like i keep yeah. telling you people the earth revolves around the sun and grandpa's Burn just like him. yeah oh what it's a scoop always- you stole my soul it's always off. Grandpa leading the charge, whether it's against someone else or it's against the Simpsons themselves. Oh, he yeah, is, in the film. He yeah. is at the front of the mob. I think um, you hit the nail on the head there when you said about you know the town of, or the residents of Springfield, just mob mentality. Because they are always so quickly to... to sorry, always so quick to form an angry mob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're into the second act now, and... Combat guys, you know, in hospital with Homer Barton Milhouse there, and he's had, you know, a mild cardiac arrest there. I didn't mind it. I still found it funny for what it was, but um, I've heard many complaints on other podcasts and you know, bloggers way back in the day of um, Doctor Hibbert essentially becoming, you know, more of Doctor Nick or being like, you know, oh, sort of an idiot doctor rather than the trusted doctor in springfield there like his line about you know my prognosis or is it diagnosis whichever calm down don't make me put a dog heart in there these are things that would have been more suited to dr nick um Mm. and it would have been it would have been so easy to just put dr nick there instead and had them at the crappier hospital because he even says um what is it about if he'd stressed himself out or if something else had happened that watch would have been around his wrist yeah a lot of like easy stuff yeah like um dr hibbert's not a crook no. well not that much of one even the um was it the where he, 
comic book guy tells him his profession and he's just like oh we call that one the Widowmaker <laughs> or he would if any of the um, if any of the people got married <laughs> Dr. Nick could have said that as well yeah but yeah we call that the Widowmaker I can't do his voice but you get what I'm saying <laughs> comic book guy you know he can't let his business just shut down that but he's got no friends to hand it to so you know begrudgingly has to give it to Milhouse and Bart and I guess this is the start of and maybe they got Hibbert in here so they could get more sympathy and sort of less laugh. maybe if you had Dr Nick in here you get less sympathy and more laughs because I mean I guess we'll just discuss it now um, I didn't feel that sympathetic or empathetic towards comic book guy through this I could see what they're trying to go for but it's more um, you know, the damage is done um, if you will yeah I mean like um yeah, this is obviously like um, a comic book guy-centered episode. You know, as much as much as it can be, with I mean, he's never going to be like the main character of an episode. But yeah, as much as he can be, they try to. It seems like they try to make us feel sorry for him. But you know, we've had so many years of comic book guy just being a dick to absolutely everyone. Why should we feel sorry for him? I mean, yeah, sure, the guy the guy had a heart attack, but is there a part of us that maybe thinks? Did he kind of deserve it a little bit? I don't know. What do you think? I can appreciate what they were trying to do, um, but it's, again, I think it's just too far gone. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them acting like that, but when you're trying to dedicate a whole episode to, quote, like humanising him, it's difficult. I was reading bits of behind the scenes, um, what happened, and Azaria himself, he won an Emmy for this, folks. He won an Emmy for his performance as comic book guy here. And in this I, episode yeah yeah um, oh, according wow, to okay. Wikipedia and that but he found it troubling to, you know because it's such a sarcastic delivery all the time it's hard to put other emotion or you know, um, you know honesty behind the voice as well and to make him sympathetic so even the production in uh, Azaria had trouble doing it there so it's not just uh, from a fan's perspective yeah I mean if um, if Azaria is having problems like identifying with the character and sympathizing with him, but how are we supposed to do it? I think um, if you know if the writers were trying to make us sympathize with Comic Book Guy, then they may be bit off a little bit more than they could chew. So the boys themselves have finally got the Androids Dungeon. It's a dream come true there, and they're about to change things up there. Um, they try to take the photo off the band wall there, but <laughs> it must activate a chip because the alarms start going off. So oh no, that can't happen. <laughs> And Millhouse ends up reading um, a list of instructions. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think there's oh, like uh, chocolate milk, this. double cheeseburgers. You got it, Dan? Yeah, yeah. No. Um, so yeah, is Millhouse reads off his instructions: a carton of malted milk balls, one box confectioner sugar, a, a can of what is it? A can of chocolate frosting. frosting yeah. Before Bart cuts him off uh, and says, "No, we," he said about. About the instructions, and Millhouse just reiterates those were the instructions. Oh, no. Like, what are the boys <laughs> supposed to do with this? One thing I really like about about this scene is it just kind of, like it, it follows that classic like Simpsons joke formula where, um, and I've only ever seen them do this in The Simpsons, so I, I guess they coined it. So person one will say A, person two will say B, and person one will usually just drive home what they've just said. 
So, like, for an example, um, I mean, last time I couldn't remember the episode, but this time I've, I've realised it was... You know when Homer has the little electronic dealie in, um, in Brother's Little Helper? You know the one where Bart gets put on the focus in? Yes. And the interaction sort of goes like, you got Carl go, going, um, a guy could do great things with a gadget like that. And Homer goes, well, if you want one. And Carl just cuts him off and goes, yep, a guy could do great <laughs> things. <laughs> and, like... I know they use that formula a lot. Mm. They they do, but it's funny every time, and it and that kind of thing is just be, like it's be, had such an impact on me. It's kind of become a running gag between me and one of my groups of friends. Like we'll always just kind of joke in a in the same formula. I don't. I can't actually think of any other shows that really do that kind of joke structure. So I think you got something there, Dan. Yeah. No. I, and I I guess that is probably my favourite kind of thing about The Simpsons, is that kind of joke structure, if you think about it. The boys, um, they're under new management now. They are the new management, and it's going reasonably well. They've got the place fairly packed out, reading all sorts of comics. One of my favourite bits here, not my absolute favourite, that uh, comes a bit later, but we have Ralph trying to get into the adult section of uh, the <laughs> Android's dungeon, and he has to go on his tiptoes, but, you know, Bart's lenient, so he just goes through and goes... Oh, you know, everybody's hugging. Now, um, I don't know if you can remember when we first tried to record this, Dan, but do you know it was supposed to? He was supposed to say something else. I do remember you saying that. Yeah. What What was it they were meant to? Oh, sorry. What was it Ralph was meant to say? Oh, so much better, but there's no way they could go over it. It was <laughs> she's hungry. <laughs> that was it. That's it's absolutely amazing, but there's no way they can slide that past the censors. Oh, oh god, man. yeah. They'd have had to stuck that one on after Watershed. <laughs> that would have uh, that would have been like um that would have made the episode like a f- the forbidden episode oh, like yeah. weekend at Burnsies. So we now cut to Homer and Convert guy um you know, he wants him to get out there and meet real people in the real world, you know, got get back on your feet now. And um he goes, You're going to the friendliest place in the world and they come straight through and uh, what do we see Mo doing, Dan? So you've already got Mo threatening the bar fly with uh, with a shotgun, say, telling him his uh, Sacagawea dollars are no good here, and he's going to give him to the count of three to pay. And the guy goes to run. He goes one, boom, and you just hear the you just hear the body go. When you've got a bum ticker like we do, you need all the friends you can get, and Mo's is the friendliest place in the rum district. Get out and take your Sacagawea dollars with you. I'll give you till three. One. Yeah, amazing foley. Again, like we said at the start there, it's just like a sack of spuds hitting the floor. The beautiful thing about this is no one reacts to it. Like, Mo, Mo's just killed a guy in the bar. Surely there'd be, you know, um, blood and whatever everywhere. Even if we don't see it, the guy's just going, eh. And carry on drinking. Oh, commonplace, yeah. They're there for the tough, that's it. Yeah, that is that is it. Like, even comic book guy, who presumably has never set foot in there before, doesn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> no, no, that's Springfield in a <laughs> nutshell. Mo comes in with a quip about him, and Homer said, hey, come on, guy just come out of the hospital there, and Mo's quite generous, wanted to buy him a drink, so a uh, comic book guy asked for a cranberry schnapps, but... um. Ah, a nice little wrinkle in Mo's character in the tavern itself. Uh, that ain't there. It's just, uh, it's just painted on. I'll pass. Beer is the nectar of the nitwit. Hey, you knocking beer? Nobody badmouths Duff. Ah, piece of crap. Letting Carl, you know, 
perk up saying, you know, oh, you bad mouth and duff there. No one bad mouth stuff. And straight away goes to, well, glass him, frankly. And it all shatters and says, ah, piece <laughs> of crap. Um, now, Dan, yeah. what's your, I guess, gaming movie equivalent of, you know, a duff piece of crap? Uh, you know, are you chucking the DVD? Is the DVD or the game disc not even good enough for a Frisbee? Um, what's your <sighs> piece of crap? Oh, God. See, I, th- I think originally I gave my answer as something like um, Sonic 06, didn't I? But that w- that wasn't even disappointing. You you um, <laughs> you know what kind of crap you're getting with that. Um, oh god, I'm I'm really trying to I'm really trying to rack my brain here. Um, so you went with the solid, dependable Sonic 06. What about a film or a series? Maybe Disenchantment, actually, because um, I mean I know that's another Matt Groening thing, but have you have you watched it? <sighs> yeah, and I it's... was I was the guy after season one. I think just about a week after watching it, saying, "Oh, guys, you'll like it. It's different, but you know, it's gonna it's gonna get better in that." And then right, so I'll tell you what, season two. People just don't watch watch the season one recap. Watch season... most of season two because it becomes the joke machine like The Simpsons did. But God, See, it was so disappointing the first season. But that's all I'll say. I, I mean, yeah, I guess the only way to describe how we felt was uh, disenchanted. But hey, um, yeah, hey, gum fingers. Yeah, there we go. Had to be had to be done. <laughs> Very good. I was thinking going in like. You know how bad could it be? Like this, you know, this guy did The Simpsons, but he also did Late Simpsons. So I mean, I guess. Do you think? Do you think it's a case of maybe they they had something there, like the i the idea was good and um, just executed poorly, or do you think it was just not a great idea from the get go? <sighs> My own personal opinion, I think they focused too much on world building and securing uh, that Netflix money. Because, mm. I mean, a lot of people are going to watch it regardless because it's a new graining project that isn't linked with Simpsons or Futurama. So it was going to get it, but I feel like they were going to go for that. I think they got another three seasons guaranteed. Oh, God, du- really? Du- yeah, due to the initial figures and that, they granted them three more series. So I think they were securing the bag, if you will. But the mm. quality has jumped up, we'll say that. Do you know what? I, I did watch season two. I don't remember it. To, it wasn't very memorable to me maybe I just wasn't that interested I guess but uh, it was something I wanted to like but I think they maybe focused a little too much on making you know an, an adult Simpsons which um, mm. I guess The Simpsons was an adult show anyway that, <laughs> and then like Futurama kind of was a bit more adult than parts of The Simpsons you know set a thousand years in the future mm. and I guess Disenchantment was meant to be set a thousand years in the past or something um but I don't know. I just I think they could have focused a bit more on making the jokes jokes rather than like you say the world building. The world building I didn't really have a problem with. I thought it was quite good, but I I just couldn't stand a lot of the characters. Like Elfo was the absolute worst, dressed exactly like Bart as well. Oh, and the hair. Don't forget the hair. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Don't forget. Let's not forget the hair. <laughs> Of all the things of that show, I'd like to forget. Elfo is one of them. So we're back at the Android's Dungeon now. And Lisa... Ah, now, let's not forget, folks. Um, I always wonder, like, oh, what like sets off um, <laughs> um, Milhouse having this weird fantasy. But 
it's not like Lisa says anything negative to me. She goes, oh, wow, you and Bart have got this running well, like a, you know, tightly oiled machine. She doesn't say anything about him not being a manager or that. It's this, um, well, quite frankly, this snake oil salesman of a, you know, comic book pitcher there. Um, he pitches Cyclops to Millhouse. He's going to be the next big new thing, is he not, Dan? Yeah, a superhero with glasses. Uh, I think it is, isn't it? Yes. Um, and um, you know, of course, that appeals to Millhouse, who has the self-esteem of a, a slug, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he really is a kid with crippling self-esteem issues, and it doesn't help that you know he's got Bart for a best friend. At the risk of not being seen as managerial enough or not authoritative enough, he um, he he kind of goes into this. What is it like? Um, Nine, typical it's 1920s film noir with film tea, noir. Yes. Tough break, toots. I need a man who answers to no one. A full manager. Hachi machi. I can help you, sir. And I answer to no one. He he just he imagines Lisa. What is it, guy? In tough break, toots. Yeah. I, I need I need a man who's going to be a manager and a full manager to no one. Yeah, a full <laughs> manager. And he, and he goes, um, what is it? After the fantasy, he goes, put me down for 2,000. And oh, I answer yeah. to no one. And he winks at Lisa. And as Lisa, Lisa rightfully is confused. Yeah. Like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Now, um, I might ask here as well. Um, I mean... Hell, you're. I feel like. No, you know what? We're probably on the same levels of fandom, but you know, just in different boats for different folks and that. But um, what's something of yours that you know you really got into the hype of? You know, what was your um, you know, by Cyclops there? You know, oh, this is really gonna catch on, and then in like a few months it was dead. Oh, um, oh God, wow. See, I like to throw curveballs on this bad boy. You really do, <laughs> don't you? You really like to. Really like to make me think. Any games or a film? Uh, do you know what? I'm actually looking at my shelf now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, God, for that reason, I mainly, I mainly tend not to get caught up in a lot of hypes. But um, okay, yeah, I've got one that maybe goes back to the last year or so, and it, it's a bit of a random one. Um, do you remember the? Um, was it they released on PS4 the remake of Crash Team Racing the Nitro? Oh yes, the old CTR. Yes. Yeah. So I loved the PS1 one as a as a kid. I thought that was so much fun. I I ended up getting Nitro Fueled uh, last year and thinking, oh wow, look, this is amazing. They've got they're not doing microtransactions, but they've got a load of unlockable skins and and shit that you can unlock with in in game points. And they've you know they've promised they're not doing. Um, they're not doing microtransactions. Oh, what a fool I was to believe that. Oh, did they do them? I didn't. I think it's Activision, this. isn't it? I think it's Activision. God, I want to. I need to look that up now. But I want to say, yeah, they they completely went back on what they said. And um, yeah, yeah, it was Activision. Of course it is. But like, even the even the developers were. Um, we're like, we're so sorry. We had no idea that this was going to be a thing. Uh, we're kind of being forced to do this. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that just kind of... After that, the game just kind of died. Like, a load of people just kind of dumped it. Like, they 
they waited for the positive reviews to come in and then did the you know the old switcheroo yeah that god i'm kind of sad thinking about it now because i think i think kind of kept on with the game for a what for a longer time i mean not that them adding microtransactions makes any difference to me i'm not gonna buy it like but it feels um it feels predatory like people people are are gonna buy it when it was specifically promised not to and i just playing it felt like like left a bad taste in my mouth what about you what do you think on um as if you had anything like that that you were oh totally I th- oh i think for myself died? i think for myself um i mean it's very close to the show um simpson skateboarding i oh, got God. that for i got that and the ps2 for my eighth birthday uh 2002 oh, i think um and i was completely swept away by simpsons you know simpsons everything and that um Thankfully, well, we know Road Rage was a classic, wasn't it? Well, thankfully, I think Road Rage was a bit after, or if it wasn't, I got it straight after um, skateboarding. But I thought, I like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. I'm going to love this. And then even playing oh, it we as a kid, I just thought, like, oh, this is a bit clunky. And, oh, it seems very repetitive and a bit stiff and, like, everything else. And this is an, this is as an eight-year-old, and I used to think everything was gravy in 2002 but um i don't know i think a little part of my fanaticism sort of died that day but thankfully road rage definitely picked up it did and hit and run was even better but then we we also have the abomination that was the simpsons wrestling oh no don't yeah don't remind me (laughs) i'm a massive wrestling fan as well as a massive simpsons fan thankfully to hurt you twice Oh no, it definitely did. But my mum never paid any money for it and only played it round my mates. So, and that was when I was about uh, six or seven. So I didn't know even more then. So that didn't even hit me as much as uh, skateboarding did, thankfully. God, and, and the thing is, at the time, like that was the only Simpsons game on console, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for I PS1. On yeah. PC, you had like Virtual Springfield. But, um, but yeah, at the time, Simpsons Wrestling was the only, only thing we had. And what what a choice like res- like wrestling and the simpsons is kind of an odd mix anyway they tried to make it work and it just didn't it was clunky it was in- it was imbalanced i remember flanders being ridiculously overpowered cuz you knock him out he prays and mm. gets back up yeah they tried to capitalize on something that was so hot at the time in 99 2000 and unfortunately um it didn't happen it was not meant to be it was not. You know what? I'm angry thinking about it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so we have comic book guy, um, you know, joining the adult annex and, you know, he's going to try friendship, the final frontier. He's going to a how to make friends one-on-one, but it's rudely, you know, bumped into by Agnes there and they just have a right slagging match with each other saying, all right, blowhole, let's get this over with and calling her, you know, oldie horn and all that. But um, Oldie horn. You know, like you're... You know, like you do with the girl you fancy in, you know, um, play school. You, you gotta, you gotta humiliate them. You gotta bully them a little bit to show them you love them. And oh, this is ex- <laughs> <laughs> and this is exactly what happens here. Um, Agnes ends up asking him out on the date and for a nice yeah. bit of dinner. And the smiles happen. And yeah, this oh. is the start of the B plot. Um, which surprisingly, looking back on it, still holds up, and I still enjoy it. What about you, Dan? Yeah. No, I um. I actually really like this subplot. I thought it, I thought it worked really well, even if um, as a kid I was a bit like, "Yeah, that's kind of mm. gross." Um, so I have a question r- just about that about that last little scene that we we just talked about. 
So you know where it shows the close-up on on their faces. Yes. I've never been a fan of those kind of angles. I always think it looks kind of weird, a little creepy. What do you think of those? Uh, I'm just scanning through um, the episode now, folks, and um, yeah, I think it's just because the smiles keep going for me. And you're right, <laughs> it is the angles. It's a bit. Um, it doesn't it's, look. It's right. very invading. It's very invading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's almost like. For a moment, your comic book guy staring into Agnes's eyes, and your Agnes staring into comic book guy's eyes. I think yeah, it goes a... a bit too long. Maybe if they just had quick smile, quick smile, then on to the comic book store. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not a fan there. <laughs> Millhouse now has essentially tons of crap in the form of the Bicyclops comic all over the comic book store, and um, Kearney just says, you know. Oh, by Cyclops. Bloody hell, you know, who's his girlfriend? Lois Lane. <laughs> Lovely stuff. And it, it like it doesn't even smack right Dan. Yeah. What good is it for? He, yeah, he picks it up, hits him over there, and it's like and the the genuine disappointment in Kearney's <laughs> voice. It's like, ah, oh, it doesn't even smack right. <laughs> Here's something I'm wondering as well. I've never been able to put an age on Kearney. Like, surely he's a bit too old to be bullying 10-year-olds. I mean, he's a guy that we've seen drive. He has a son who sleeps in a drawer. Oh, yes. Um, um, he remembers the bicentennial, and he was yeah. busy shaving, saying, oh, they, the infantrymen really won us the war. Um, I'd say, like, it's got to be f- between 30 and 40 in that case, I'd say. Right. But I've and... always liked that little surreal thing of like, oh, it's the adult that just hasn't graduated. I'll tell you what, an- another thing um, from that scene that does make me laugh, just after Kearney leaves, um, was it birds won't even use it to make their nest and you see a crow fly it in. Yes. It's not enough to just return <laughs> the comic, but it also tears it up with its claws as well. No, it's just, it's disgusted by this horrible concept. <laughs> <laughs> as and the beautiful thing is, like, it, it sort of implies that the crow has um, has read it, thought it was crap, and just won't even use oh, yeah. it for its nest. <laughs> that that's, I I think, and I think that's one of the things The Simpsons does right. Is a lot of the time, it's um, what they don't show you or what they don't tell you is funny. Oh yeah. So this is where we have Bart now scolding Millhouse for wasting all their money and resource on this, you know, one pitfall, and Millhouse even says, "I made one big mistake." Like. Come on, cut me some slack. And, oh, this is the bit that made me really uncomfortable because I think Milhouse, um, wonderful Rusey Taylor, I think, um, does his voice. Um, I think she played it a bit too real because I've definitely been in primary and secondary school and just seeing someone get picked on and hearing, like, especially in those tones as well, like, stop it and I'm a human and you know oh i'm stop picking on me leave me alone it just i don't know just not yeah i suppose it hit too close to home for me dan okay so i made one bad decision oh it's my fault for leaving you in charge sometimes i forget how young you are i'm only three months younger than you oh look you're getting cranky you haven't had your juice well my straw broke off in the carton that's not the point. We're supposed to be partners, and you're pushing me around like a play school corn popper. It's a vacuum cleaner, Millhouse. Whatever! I demand respect! I have feelings! I'm a human boy, just like you! Shh. Use your indoor voice. It is a bit too real. I mean, especially considering... Um... Especially considering the tone of the rest of the episode, mm. but I um, 
I, I think, yeah, Milhouse is just really at his limit and Bart just kind of condescends to him again, doesn't he? What is it? He's like, use your indoor use your voice. Indoor voice. And Milhouse just can't take it anymore. And he do, he um, sort of does a jump kick right at, right at Bart. And, you know, the classic Bart and Milhouse fight music plays. Oh, the classic, uh, not quite Star Trek. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one they use in... They also use it with, um, what is it, Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy. Where um, there were kids are all coming up with um, conspiracies um, about how there's reva- reverse vampires to eliminate the meal of dinner. Well, you idiot! It's the mole people. Or have they got yeah. you too? Ah, that's it. Yeah, and, and um, the music plays again. The whole um, the, during the what was it the Samantha Stanky episode where yes. Bart goes yes. over and confesses. It, it this always seems to be what play whenever they fight and um specifically in that um samantha stanky one you can really see like millhouse laying into him you see you can just see in the corner of the screen his arm moving which kind of brings me on to my next point like whenever whenever they fight even though in this what in this scene specifically in um sorry going back to worst episode ever um bart puts the toy together makes an axe millhouse um, I gets the old watering to, can damn it stays true to his character gets the watering can still manages to sort of win the fight doesn't he yes like, Milhouse never seems to lose the fight no with these proper confrontations like you said uh, in the original recording as well yeah Milhouse is always on the winning end of it you're definitely right um I think that's just because a lot of um you know here's the sort of um the whipping post if you will uh, with a lot of bar schemes and that so I think and luckily enough the writers have just gave them like little wins here and there a lot through physicality and that which i do like seeing i like seeing the nerd win every now and then yeah i i think it's deserved like um he i think millhouse deserves that little bit of vindication every now and then the boys are busy they're out to end the fight you know eat watering can partner and they go through a little shawshank redemption poster hole in comic book guys secret video library there and they've got right treasure trove in here. Um, you know, police tapes there. Uh, Godfather 3 good version as well. <laughs> Was it Alien Autopsy? That's it. Alien Autopsy, the real one or something? Yeah, legal and illegal. That's the one. Yeah, that's it. And then, um, well, what it says on the tin there. Um, Mohawk saying, oh, this is Ken Brockman picking his nose. And just sticks in, look, he's picking his nose. Like He's, he's that shocked it. by it. And what is it, the um, the video, oh, am I going too far ahead? The video they um, put in is like a message to the president. No, we'll talk about it now. We might as well. Yeah, um, it's secret presidential video there of, um, I think, the head of the army there saying... I must warn you that once this next tape starts, it will not stop. Because that button is broken. If you are watching this tape, you are the president of the United States. Hello, sir or ma'am. Hopefully, sir. The town of Springfield has been classified NWB, or Nuclear Whipping Boy. In the first moments of a nuclear war, Springfield will be bombed at will by all friendly nations to calibrate their missiles. Yeah! Now, for total security, I will terminate the cameraman. Thanks a lot, Steve. You know, sir or ma'am, hopefully ma'am, we're going to use Springfield as Nuclear Whipping Boy so we can test all the bombs on there. And the kids are really... Um, 
nihilist, nihilist about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for security, I'll also terminate the cameraman. <laughs> ah, thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And I think it's it, it's a again just such disregard for such flagrant disregard for human life. Oh yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> Another great thing about The Simpsons. What's next? Mr. Rogers drunk. Well, what do you mean I can't take off my sweater? I'm hot! As the boys have discovered the video library there, we're on to our absolute favourite bit in this um, episode. I'll stick the jingle in here as well, folks. It's um, comp guy taking... Agnes out on their date and he's got away with Seymour Skinner, one of my favourite side characters ever <laughs> and it's just so belovedly awkward um, you know, much like The Office and your modern sitcoms now there and it's just great roles reversed there I'll be right down I'm just putting on my witch hazel So, uh, your mother tells me you go to Springfield Elementary. Exactly what is your interest in my mother? She makes me laugh. Here I come! <gasps> Good Lord, Mother, I can see your... figure. Oh, you see a lot more when you do my daily mole check. What I do for my allowance money is nobody's business. He's not nobody. He might even be your new daddy. <laughs> this grown man is, you know, asking another grown man, you know, what are your intentions with my mother? <laughs> I mean, it's magic. It's pure magic, Dan. One thing I, I, I... There's something I think, you know, we've, we've got the awkwardness here, but it's when... Um, what does it for me in this scene is, you know, when uh, she finally comes out, she's in... Uh, 1920 sort of vaudeville outfit mm. and we did talk about this last time but i think it's worth bringing up again so it kind of makes you wonder this episode aired in 2001 if this was the kind of outfit that was the style of her in her heyday how old do you reckon she might be because if comic book guy is about 40 what do you yep. think the age gap is do you think she could be about 100 Ooh, roaring 20s uh she'd be in well yeah she'd be in a early 20s so uh, I'd, yeah you know I'd be a safe <laughs> bet in saying a centarian you're absolutely right yeah I mean I know um, The Simpsons kind of plays with um, you know hers uh, grandpa's and Mr Burns age all the time so mm. sometimes grandpa's meant to be in his 80s sometimes you know he's north of 100 or, or what have you hey she's but... nimble enough to jump off that slide in Bannister there Oh, she absolutely with is. great foley. I forgot to mention it, but comic book guy getting kicked out of the um bar, just oh. the just like sliding on your slip we, and slide yeah, noise we didn't there. Mention it. And stay out. Yeah, it's the same sound effect, like sort of a rubbing a deflating balloon as she slides down the <laughs> banister, or as he um slides across the curb. Yeah, again, wonderful foley throughout this and. Skinner's, um, you know, he's sort of horrified. Good Lord, Mother, I can see your figure. And, you know, oh, you've seen worse when you've been doing my mole check. And, you know, what I do for my allowance is none of his business. And the line that caps it ends the scene there. 
he's no stranger. He might even be your new daddy. And like, oh, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She's sticking the knife in there. Beautiful oh, scene. Yeah. And the kids, uh, Bart and Milhouse, realize, oh, you know, we can make profit by selling these videos, you know, showing screenings and such. And one of these is um, Flanders. You know, he's a snitch. He's an informant for the Springfield police there. And he admits that, like, oh, you know, Homer's, you know, let, let this monkey out. And, oh, God, that's the only real negative thing is the absolute ending of this, folks, which I'll get to then. But um, he just mentions the radioactive monkey got loose. But, oh, no, Dad didn't mean that. You know, the monkey tricked him there. Now, what do you feel about um, this little inclusion? And then it gets played out later there. Um, I'll enter it more there. But, I mean, what do you think of this little inclusion, Dan? What about Homer being outsmarted by an ape? I, I like that. <laughs> it just it just it it just really kind of goes to show how dim witted Homer can be. And I th- I think um, this part does set up that that later part at the end of the episode, which I know you are not not a fan yes. of. Would you have? So ignoring that for now, if if they were to get rid of that part, would you have kept in this part, the part where Homer's grassing on him about the ape? Uh, you know what? No. Um, honestly, it. It's the radioactive part. I think if they just didn't mention that and uh, didn't colour him the way they coloured him right at the end there, um, it'd be a bit less egregious. But I'll tell you what, we'll talk about rewrites of this near 20-year-old episode um, right at the end there. Mm. But we're at the uh, food court now where Homer and Marge are on their date. And they see comic book guy and Agnes out on their date as well. And with this, we get a nice little montage with um, Puppy Love in the background. Oh, real nice gags in here. Um, they stop kids galvanting in a stream of a fire hydrant. Um, they end up chucking a rock at some <laughs> kids' um, model boat as well, don't they? Yeah, just just ruining the day for, for children. And they are both absolutely in their element. Like They are two horrible people who cannot be happy unless other people are miserable. Oh yeah, and I love Agnes's cackle throughout as well. Ah, ha, ha, like real old Disney villainess. There, it's very oh, cool. Yeah. Like they, they really are sort of like an odd couple, but they really do work, and it's they do that that surprises me. Like even on on the um, rewatch um, that I was doing earlier, um, and yeah, it's just. It, it did surprise me how how much it works because y- you just don't imagine it. And even when I watched it sort of the last time, it it catches me by surprise every time. And mm. I think, and I think that's just kind of a credit to to the episode, really. Whilst we were at the Androids Dungeon watching the old military video, the police bust in there through the little hole, and the kids try to escape. That can't happen there. And they notice all this booty, all these secret swag videos there. And um, I will say, I've given grief to season 11 and 12 using, like, racial or, you know, hell, even racist jokes there. But this bit worked well because it was written well. Um, Chief Wing just comes in and says, um, oh, there's more bootleg videos in here than... Uh, and he tries to look for something and he goes to um, Lou and he goes, uh, Chinese Kmart? Oh, that'll do. <laughs> and then... Seconds after that, when Milhouse and Bart admit, oh, we've been running stuff in here, but we don't own it. Oh, well. The owner is in more hot water than... A Japanese tea bag? Why don't you lay off the Asians, Lou? Why don't you lay off the Asians, Lou? <laughs> Good for Wiggum. Good for Wiggum. He's not dealing with this shit in his force. 
He's been semi-competent for once. Combat guy and Agnes are back of their pad, and they're, it's getting hot and heated now there. Maybe they can go the distance. Maybe there's a place for romance novels in his comic book store there. But he himself gets raided on again, but not as successful. Straight away, Wigan... Oh, God, no! <laughs> Put some pants on. All right. Oh, oh, dear God. Cover your eyes, boys. It's okay, man. It doesn't affect you. You're not human. Uh, comic book guy, you're under arrest for the possession of illegal videos. But we'll reduce the sentence if you put your pants on. Fast. God. Come on, Romeo. <laughs> they can't lock me up for long, Agnes. Will you wait for me? Are you crazy? My bones are half dust. And even, um, Eddie, that's it. He's about to throw up there. He's retching and blue. Oh, it's okay, oh, man. You've seen this before. You're not human. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, that that's one that's one part that really makes me laugh. Is is where Eddie goes to throw up, and yeah, Lou just goes, "It's okay, it doesn't affect you, man. You're not human," and they just <laughs> gloss over it, mm. like it it is never mentioned again. It, it kind of got me thinking, and we did speak about this in the last episode, didn't we? What is he if he's not human? We, he can't be a robot because he um, because he clearly feels pain. Like, there's the episode where Marge gets road rage. And, um, you know, where the, him, Agnes, uh, is it Kearney? Oh, he's Courtesy and... Bear. The Courtesy yeah. Bear. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Courtesy Bear. The Courtesy Bear. Um, where he's dressed, dressed up as them. And um, they're meant to beat on him with two by fours for, what's it, about three hours. Mm. And uh, Eddie goes to him. He goes, uh, Chief? As if to say, like, are you sure about this? And <laughs> Wiggum just goes, Bears can't talk, Eddie. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Skinner just smacks him in the side mm, of the head and he goes down. down like a sack of potatoes. Much like uh, the barfly did in this episode earlier. And you can kind of hear him whimpering and yelping. Oh, yeah. But So he's, he's clearly not a robot because he can feel some kind of pain. Or, and we touched upon this last episode, Maybe it's something a little bit more sinister, a little more, bit more existential. Where Maybe it's where Eddie is hardly in the show. He's barely considered a character. Maybe Ooh. because of that, he isn't considered human. I like the metatextualness, so out of your two theories, I'll definitely move to the latter. But I'm, I think I'm read it more as like, um, we have seen so much shit, you know, the lethal weapon kind of thing. Um, mm. We're so dehumanized to, you know, the mob mentality of Springfield and what we've seen that, Come on, you're not human. You've seen worse. I'd probably... I've read it more like that. But I like the little meta reference. But it's fine, you know, combat guy is guilty, but they're going to reduce his case as long as he puts some pants on. But, um, you know, is Agnes going to wait for combat guy? Can she be his uh, ride or die, Dan? Hell no. Uh, what is it? She says her bones will be her dust. Her bones are half dust. dust. That's it, that's it. <laughs> I think that's kind of a good way to end it, like for continuity purposes as well. Oh, it's a nice little wrap-up there. The police have got their man there. All the booty's been seized there. And the boys, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Hell, we've even missed loads and loads of days at school. And this would have been a perfect end. But no, we um, actually <laughs> see the mighty active monkey that tricked Homer. And Flanders is driving him around for some reason. And, you know, if you want to turn, just point. And then he goes down one-way street and... That's how we properly end it. I didn't like this final proper ending. Um, 
I, I say I think it's dumb. They just, I, they shouldn't have done the radioactive thing. And I spoke about it in the original recording. What would have been great is if Ned had somehow partially converted the monkey and it would just come out in a little, you know, a Flanders copy with a little Bible in his hand or it's a throwing, you know, poo or something. He's like, no, that's not what I mean by convert. And then he's chasing <laughs> them down the street or something. But they could have done something better, Dan. But maybe I'm being yeah. a right old grouch here. What do you think? No, do you know what? I, I agree with you. Um, in all honesty, it's it's something I never really had a problem with. But, um, yeah, you've got you've got Flanders getting slapped across the back of the head. And Flanders being Flanders, he's trying to use his words. Like, you know, that's what Ned does. But he's not scoring any goals with the monkey or the ape, whatever it is. I, I just don't think... I just don't think it needed to happen. I think, you know, they can reference it earlier in the episode and our imaginations can kind of fill in the blanks. I think it could have been one of those tell us, don't show us kind of things. What do you reckon? Because I know you said about you you would have just cut that earlier part from the episode and left it at that. I would have either not had it at all or selfishly used my, um, you know, my half-baked joke there about him trying to convert the monkey and then he's escaped there. I quite like that. That I think that's um, I, I think that's kind of on brand for Ned as well. It's but even if uh, the monkey had come out wearing like one of Flanders's sweaters, yes, perfect. I, it just seems sort of a shame to mm. end what was yeah. a solid episode that way. Because um, I remember we were saying when we f- sort of first watched this, as it's sort of on the tail end of what is considered classic Simpsons, it's actually quite a good one. It's. And I remember saying it's not one I tend to remember as much as sort of like the PTA disbands or Lisa's first word, but mm. it was pretty solid. What about you? Well, um, with that ending the episode, folks, we will go on to our final thoughts and uh, final unique rating out of five. I will go first. Um, you know what? It's a nice surprise in season 12, and we reviewed a lot of shite, quite frankly, in season 12. Um this is a nice um, nugget amongst um, all the poo housery, if you will. Um, I really like the B plot. I actually want to see more of um, Combat Guy and Agnes. Although I don't get the sympathy and the empathy for him because, like I said before, the damage is done. Um, I still like the Barton Millhouse dynamic, even though it gets a bit too real and you know sociopathic uh, with that little mid bit there. But overall, I would say. Um, I'm just going to slightly put it down from a 0.5, so I'm going to go 3 out of 5 um, by Cyclops Cartoon Mags. <laughs> what about yourself, Dan? I, th- I think I will uh, give it th- 3 and a half Ooh. doesn't... Yeah, three and, 3 and a half out of 5 and say it, do- it just doesn't quite smack right, but it's still good. <laughs> oh... Perfect. Lovely in a nutshell. There we go. Get ready to make bathtub mint juleps and laugh in the face of Rex Banner because we're going to season 8 with Homer versus the 18th Amendment. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a 5 star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast and the same on Twitter as well at TylerTMC or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun.
good. 